Hello and welcome to the next edition of Take Talks Business. Today I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Angela Reddix. Uh, she is the founder, president, and CEO of Artix. Um, Dr. Reddix, thank you so much for joining me today on Take Talks. Thank you for having me. Lovely um, having this opportunity to speak with you. Well, I greatly appreciate it. Um, I, I gave your title for Artix, um, but I, what excites me so much about our conversation today is that not only are you the founder, president, CEO of Artix, but you also have the Artix Foundation. Uh, you're the founder of Envision Lead Grow, um, and you're doing some extremely special things right now during this unique COVID situation. So I, I'm really excited to get started. Um, could you give a little bit of background for the listeners who may not otherwise know you and or Artix, uh, a little bit of your background, um, how Artix came about, and, and maybe a little bit of history from, from then and now? Oh, absolutely. Uh, November of 2019, we celebrated our 13th year in business. And so these 13 years, um, uh, back in 2006, um, I formed what was then A. Redix and Associates. Uh, in year five, we started branding ourselves as Artix so that it could truly be uh, representative of who we are, which is more than one person, but an entity. Um, we are in the healthcare space, specifically, um, primarily our work is with the federal government. Um, we implement uh, legislation as healthcare uh, policies are passed. Um, we create sub-regulatory guidance. We develop um, healthcare IT support, um, auditing healthcare systems for um, health and human services, uh, specifically CMS. Um, so lots of lots of work, um, lots of implementations, lots of long hours so rewarding. Um, and so we've grown over these years. Um, I started in 2006 with one myself, and um, we've grown over the years to over a hundred at times, um, but on average, we're about a hundred um, associates. Um, about three years ago, we rolled out our remote staffing strategy. So whereas we had two buildings in the Norfolk, Virginia area, we now have our corporate office in Norfolk, Virginia, and probably 80% of our staff um, are all over the United States um, working. Wow. wow. Uh, which, uh, how has that worked out uh, during this recent COVID situation? Uh, it, uh, it would seem you were already kind of built for this environment then. Who knew? Who knew that <laughs> that anyone could quite be built for this time? Yeah. But in more ways than one, I have to tell you that um, you know this this has been a challenging time. As we, I just remember um, in the February March timeframe when um, we were kind of hearing about it, and then I think it was the first week of March where it became real um, to us in the Virginia area, 
Uh, and we had to make the determination really before the governor made the announcement that we were going to go ahead and um, have our corporate staff work from home. And so while many things ran through my mind as far as what does that mean for business continuity, one thing um, that I was reassured of basically that first week is that in fact we were built for a time um, just like this. And so um, we have really not experienced from an infrastructure perspective um, any uh, gaps in delivery of services, which is uh, amazing. I, I have so many peer organizations that for that first three weeks, they were just trying to figure out not only their personal um, circumstances, but yeah. how to keep their business running. So I feel very grateful that um, we were kind of forward thinking. Um, so we are in the cloud, all of our data's in the cloud. We didn't have to, to worry about um, any of that. And we've been able to work from home, um, you know, ever since. So um, yeah. that's been successful. From a um, mental state as far as uh, the ups and downs that come financially with um, what we're dealing with. So there's the health crisis, but then there's the economic crisis. And there too, um, unfortunately, Unfortunately, we were built for that also because in the federal government space every year we're dealing with um, being on pins and needles about the budget. And so every year um, I have had to learn as a part of my everyday practices contingency planning. Yeah. So um, to be honest with you, this feels different because I feel that I'm not alone. Everyone's dealing with uncertainty right now. And normally <laughs> for 12 years, I've been dealing with it alone and no one yeah. quite understanding what that means. Um, also, you know, there's support financially yeah. for a time like this. And that's not my norm as I'm dealing with um, the commitment to keep staff no matter what and to weather the storm. Um, and so, um, again, I think mentally, I've built a muscle in these 13 years with Artix that's really paid off with my ability to have, let's just say, sound mental health during these challenging times. Yeah, yeah. well, and to your credit, um, I had the pleasure of attending the Strom Entrepreneurial Hall of Fame mm -hmm. inductions in 2018, mm -hmm. um, in which you were honored. And the story that, that struck me, and I believe it struck everyone in the room that night um, goes back to a few years back when you had, I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you had lost a, a fairly substantial contract um, and, and had dealt with some of those hardships that you, you discuss. And um, the way you came out on the back end of that um, was just absolutely amazing. Uh, do you mind for our listeners maybe giving a little bit of that history and, and how you did come through that struggle? Absolutely. So the timing of that, I have to tell you, um, that was one of the highlights of, I would say, my career as um, a business owner and receiving that award. Um, it, it was so meaningful because of the demonstration of faith um, that it represented um, during that time. I call that that period my mountaintop experience of just having the, the, the faith the size of a mustard seed and how we can move mountains with that. 
And so I mentioned that every year, um, you know, as a federal government contractor, we, we just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and that particular year, um, we, we um, have been doing very well with um, one particular piece of work that we've had since 2012. And I always tell staff that it, you can't get complacent. You are always, always, always interviewing for your next opportunity and you are interviewing for your next contract. So you, just because we've had it in, since 2012 doesn't mean automatically we always have it. Yeah. Um, and so um, it was a trying time in the budget season during that time. And, um, you know, the, at the last minute, it was determined that the contract, um, what they had to offer was only 40% of the total budget. Wow. And so this happened, um, normally our contracts um, end uh, with the federal government fiscal year where this particular one had a modification to the contract. So it extended through uh, the end of December. And so I'm away during the holidays with my family, focusing on family. That's my, my let's say, woosah week where I can just <laughs> breathe and everyone is kind of quiet. And so no one is uh, calling with any problems. And so um, that's when we determined um, the state of that particular contract. Wow. And so I just made the determination that I wasn't going to start January 1 saying, you know, 60% of the staff, we have to lay you off. We have not had to do layoffs in the history of our company. And I just really didn't want that to be the legacy that I left. And so I made the determination that um, we would figure it out. Um, we would take this opportunity and to go into reserves. And that's another lesson for everyone, having reserves. Go into reserves and I would invest in the company. And what that meant was, I believe we have some of the best and brightest. And instead of having them focus on the client's work, that we would use that year to prepare our infrastructure in such a manner that when we're able to get back to normal, we're bigger, better, and stronger. And so um, I was able to make that announcement, tell them the truth, that this is what happened. This is how we're going to deal with it. Um, I had small group sessions um, and a lot, again, staff were all over the United States, but I made sure I didn't want them to hear it through a memo. I needed them to hear the spirit of which, you know, I was doing this, but I also asked them for a commitment. Listen, yeah. if these uncertainties make you nervous, again, I'm investing in keeping everyone, but if you don't think you can hang in there, you, you know, it's okay. Um, because I don't want to spend the money and then you're not here for the long haul. And so yeah. interestingly enough, about 33% of the people said I'm in, 33% of the people said I'm in, but they really weren't in. And then another 33% um, said, Angela, honestly, this uncertainty, I can't do it. And yeah. so I respect them. I respect and knew that some people would not be confident enough to just really say, I'm not comfortable. Um, and so in the end, it's amazing. We plowed through, we, we were uh, so many projects we were able to complete. Um, we are using much of that today during this time of COVID, much of the work from that year, setting up some of the um, processes and procedures that allow us to have predictable outcomes no matter where we're located. I'm seeing the benefit of the return on that investment at a time, you know, during COVID. And so it was just so amazing because we performed as I knew we would, and I knew that customer would need the additional 60% 
But that year, we ended up having something like a 40% increase over the prior year in the end. <laughs> so it all worked wow. out in the end. Wow. We were able to grow other contracts. We were able to explore some things on a local level. And, and you know, it's just a testament of what it means to be, you know, so many people want to be an entrepreneur until it's time for them to be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship <laughs> means taking a problem, not fearing the problem, but understanding that the opportunity lies in the problem. And so the time of COVID, the time of someone telling you take 100%, and by the way, you're doing a fantastic job. We love you, love you, love you, but we only have 40%. You know, you, that's when you really see what you're made of. Are you gonna yeah. say, listen, take the 40%. I, I don't, I can't, that's okay. You know, I'd rather have 100% of 40% than 100% of 0%. <laughs> so, you, know, and you just have to be scrappy. That's, that's yeah. the answer for entrepreneurship. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Yeah, it was a wonderful story. And, and I think for me, it hit home so much uh, because uh, in 2008, 2009, during the mortgage uh, crash, um, I actually uh, worked for a small locally owned mortgage uh, mm. affiliate here in, mm. out of Chesapeake, Virginia. Um, and so much of what I heard from you, um, uh, I, I saw and heard and felt um, so closely to what we went through at that time in an industry that nobody, nobody knew if we were going to come out the back end of it. Mm. Um, and it, and it really does. The, the, the cream truly does rise to the top when, when events like that happen. And, and I think um, for the large part, those who come out on the back end of those successfully are, are so much stronger um, because they've proved their will, they've proved their faith. And, and even the, the associates that are willing to hang with you during those times are mm -hmm. just uh, the the professional and personal relationships that you develop coming out of something like that are absolutely amazing. Um, so it's, and it's wonderful to see some of that already happening here in 757 yeah. um, as we do work through this. Um, so thank you for, for telling that story. Um, so Ardix, uh, you had started a foundation. Do you mind talking a little bit about that foundation? Sure. Um, you know, if, if I could do anything in the world uh, and it wasn't about any income, I would be a community activist. I just love um, investing in the community. It does so much for me. People think, wow, you're doing the community and everyone else is, is getting the benefit. Honestly, um, you know, even research says something happens chemically um, when you're <laughs> doing it and I feel it. And so I remember when I, um, and just to back up, before starting Artix, I actually was a senior level um, executive for large federal government contracting firms up in the D.C. area. So I relocated gotcha. back home when I started um, Artix. And um, one of the things I said um, is when I have a business, um, it's so important that I do what makes my heart sing, and that is connect with the community. And so I started um, Artix and we're in the, which has been my experience for probably even 10 years prior to starting the company, I've been on the financial side of healthcare. 
Um, so I'm not a healthcare provider. I'm on the understanding the claims mechanisms, the payment mechanisms for healthcare. And so being deep, deeply entrenched in that, what I know to be true is that the cost of care, um, which drives up how expensive Medicare is and drives and chips away at what will be available in the Medicare trust fund once I'm eligible for it or my children are eligible for it. If we don't get ahead of it by preventing some of these chronic health conditions, then there's not gonna be much left um, there and it's gonna be so expensive that we won't even be able to afford it. So um, seeing that, I wanted to get ahead of it um, and figure out how to change the mindsets of the most vulnerable populations. Gotcha. Because obesity is fundamentally one of the common um, factors associated with the four top chronic health conditions that probably off the top of my head represents, I don't know, something like 60 to 70% of the cost of Medicare. Um, we decided to go into the at-risk populations. So those are communities where basically you may have a single parent. Um, that single parent is working two jobs. So they're not home preparing um, a meal that has all of the food groups represented. I mean, it is survival of the fitness yeah. you know, of that stage. Yeah. So there's a lot of processed food. So way back then, which is back in 2000 and um, probably seven, um, we started doing what's called healthcare academies, and that was my way of educating the youth to change their mindsets to have healthier eating and physical activity. So this was before the um, uh, Let's Move campaign or any of that. This was just looking at the data and trying to do something about it. And so we started healthcare academies um, back then, and we've been doing it ever since. Um, we then determined we can change the mindset of the kids all we want, but if we don't do something about those in the household who are responsible for providing the foods, then we really aren't going to make a long-term impact. Um, and so we started doing women's wellness celebrations, and we are still doing that today. Um, we are, um, if all was going according to plan in October, every year is when we do these. Um, and so we're probably in our 12th year of having women's wellness celebrations. And this was a day that we brought women together to focus on their health, both, both physically and mentally, so that they can make different choices for their household. And therefore, the children are seeing this in the household. So we get to them with healthcare academies. We now get to the mothers through women's wellness and now we can see long-term change in mindsets. Um, so we were doing that um, every year. Um, and in 2018, we formalized these activities under a foundation, which is now Arctic's foundation. That same year is when we determined, you know, it, it is uh, physical health is so important. Um, but there's not enough tension going to mental health. So the, the complete mission of Arctic's Foundation is shining the light on mental wellness. So same programs, but now we've started focusing um, and getting really deep about removing the stigma of, of healthcare or of mental health. Gotcha. Um, we've had some phenomenal, you know, uh, two years ago, 
Again, this is Women's Wellness Celebrations. And this is about three to 400 women that gather every year. Great Vendors Town Bank has been a sponsor um, for the last probably four years. Um, and it, we've had it at the Chesapeake Conference Center for, I guess, the last three years. And it's just been a great kind of reunion. The same women come back every year, although we're open to you know whoever would like to come. And it's so interesting because now men are coming because we wow. recognize and it's, it's turned into um, an opportunity for us to connect the corporate space because I know the cost of having an employee who cannot be productive because of mental situations going on at home, stress, et cetera. So yeah. the corporate community uh, connected with the faith-based community who often until recent times there's no discussion about mental wellness. It is pray it away. And so having the, the uh, faith-based community join in, practitioners and, you know, individuals. Um, and so just hearing the conversations, it's not just coming together for a conference, but actionable steps that can be taken. Uh, so two years ago, our keynote was, um, you know, if you remember, Run DMC. Um, oh, yeah. So DMC who has a book on mental health because he struggled with drug addiction, et cetera, trying to self-medicate for some pain he was going through. Uh, and so he was our keynote, phenomenal. Oh, wow. so just, uh, just an example of how women having the conversation alone, it, that's not the whole story. And so there's yeah. the male perspective that that also impacts how women see themselves, et cetera, and how they exist in this world. So um, I'm just really excited about the things that we've been able to do. Women's Wellness continues, healthcare academies continue, but now in healthcare academies, we're not only talking about how you eat and how you exercise, but how you feed your mental wellness. And so we have what's called, it's Minority Mental Health uh, Awareness Month, which is in May. Um, Actually, I'm sorry, that's in June. Uh, Mental Health Awareness Month is May. Um, and we have an open mic night, over 400 kids, and they, with a wow. DJ and everything, and the kids come up and they tell their stories. Wow. Now, what's sad is to hear their stories. I mean, these are 10-year-olds talking about the feeling um, of uh, how the world would be a better place if they weren't in it. But what wow. that does is it, it, it actually, they tell a story of hope because how they coped and got to the other side. Mm -hmm. And all of those kids who are being touched and hearing that I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, because that's the biggest thing with mental health. People don't want to talk about it because they feel like they're alone. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that we're doing. Uh, we just uh, were awarded the priority, um, priority bowl um, nonprofit uh, awards. So really excited about the work oh, that's that we're wonderful. Doing and um, and all the support we've been receiving. That's wonderful. Wow. Well, and as if you don't already have enough going on, um, I've ha had the pleasure, probably, I want to say it's been at least a year now mm -hmm. of getting to know the, the, your team, uh, with Envision League Grow, um, which is just, uh, it's, an, it's a wonderful, wonderful program. Um, would you mind giving our listeners uh, an overview of what that program is and, and, and just the wonderful uh, 
the speed at which that seems like it has picked up has just mm -hmm. been absolutely amazing, um, especially for anyone who's tried to, to get uh, something like this up off the ground. Yeah. Um, do you mind uh, giving us a little bit of background on that as well? Would I mind? You know, I feel like if you ask me about ELG um, back in the old days, when you have kids, people ask you about your kids, you pull out your wallet and you store more pictures. <laughs> I feel like ELG is my, my fourth child. And I could talk all day about it, any day. Um, let me just say the team you met and they've been with me from the beginning, they are awesome, amazing young women who represent everything that ELG uh, is meant to be. Um, so the Envision League growth story, um, it, it actually started as not being a thing at all. Um, about, mm, it's probably been six years ago now, um, I had been working in Arctic, kind of heads down, just trying to make it work. Um, I looked up and I had over a hundred people around me and I'm thinking, what do I do with all of these people? It's more than, you know, the deliverables we have to push out the door. Um, it's not just about how much you pay people. I mean, you've really got to, this is a thing. So I um, told my assistant at the time, listen, I need to go back um, to work on my PhD and what I thought I would focus on is organizational behavior. And so she found a program and I'm so grateful, even though I thought she was like crazy when she came to me with it because I had, <laughs> I told her, find me a program. Um, I, I need, clearly I can't go uh, the traditional route and go full time. I have a whole company I'm running, um, but I really want um, to be in a cohort of executives. I, I am interested in not a DBA, but a PhD um, and um it has to be fully accredited. I want the rigor of the research and I want the dissertation component. And so at that time, there was only two in the United States that fit that particular criteria now. Wow. It's so interesting because now there's even one in Virginia um, that fits it, but there were two. And one um, that she brought to me was in Oklahoma. I'm thinking, how am I gonna go to Oklahoma and run the company? <laughs> And so somehow, some way we made it happen. Every month I was there for basically four days taking the classes that you would normally take in a month. You're taking them like in this all day, 10 hours a day. Wow. It was intense. Oh, it was so intense. I don't even understand how I did it, but I did. I'm it. so glad you, you explained that because when I was looking through your, your profile, <laughs> I wondered where of all places Oklahoma State University popped into this. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you. I can tell you everything about Stillwater and Tulsa now. I was there every month for three years. Wow. Um, and it, it, was, it was insanity. I mean, I still had to run the company even while I was in Oklahoma. We were at a different level. I didn't have the same level of executives I have now. I, 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 all I can say, it, it was grace that allowed me to get through it. But went through it, loved every moment of it. Um, heard the professor say in that first week, which you know, when, when you're getting so much information, I really identified with Charlie Brown's teacher talking. It was just like, what are they saying? I don't know what they're talking about. But I remember him saying, um, your job as a PhD is to fill the gap in literature. 
and I'm thinking, what in the world could that possibly mean? I mean, we have articles to read. We have 30 articles to read a day. They're like 50 pages each. How could there be a gap? There are no more words in the world. Um, and so it hit me probably in my second year that I thought I was going back for organizational behavior, but I was drawn to all the entrepreneurship literature. And I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur. Why do I need to study entrepreneurship? I was turned on to this piece of literature by uh, Erickson, which is called Expert Performance. Um, and he has a theory, deliberate practice. And it is really the theory that the outliers, the book, the outliers was based on the 10,000 hours you can create in that book. And so reading that, um, a gentleman who became my dissertation chair turned me on to another piece of literature, which was Robert Barron's um, deliberate practice model, which was based on um, Erickson's work and he talked about how, um, how you can use experiential learning and vicarious learning for substitutes for the 10,000 hours. So I recognize that in all the reading I, I, I was going through, I just didn't see my story represented anywhere. I, I didn't see um, a, a little girl who was born to a teenage mother um, in public housing how did I build a business that I'm in the center of what is the most, I would say, important uh, industry of our time, healthcare, and I'm working with the government to implement legislation that impacts every single person who's walking in this area, I mean, in, in the world or in the country. How did that happen? How am I an employer that allows, offers benefits and 401k and and I'm the, the, those who work for me can put their, their kids through college because of the salaries that they're making. From where I started, statistics would say that would not be the outcome. Yes. And so I decided to use the theory that I just described to you, and I want to replicate the model of Angela Reddick's. So that became Envision Lead Grow, which was my dissertation um, study. Um, I've continued the study uh, now three years um, since I wrote the dissertation. We're now in year four of the program. We now have a thousand girls all over the United States. And we are transforming communities of poverty to communities of prosperity through the promise of middle school girls. So we start with them in middle school and we continue with them until high school graduation. Uh, so there's four prongs to the program. First is the immersion camp. And we've had such wonderful partners, um, Norfolk State University, where we bring the girls in from all over the country. And they have a week on a university campus where they're learning. It's really an MBA program, honestly. I mean, that's wow. how much detail they get as, as far as entrepreneurship. Old Dominion University, um, and Oklahoma State University are our partner uh, schools. And so no matter where they are, they come at no cost to their parents. Many of these young ladies would be first generation college students. So they're getting exposed to college as well as entrepreneurship. 
So that's week one, I mean, uh, the first part of the program. The second part is after they leave that camp, they're assigned a local business woman who's um, uh, to be a mentor in their community. So regardless of if they're in Maine, Miami, wh wherever they are, they are women who said, I want to partner with you and help these young ladies stay on track. The third part of the program, we have a virtual um, classroom and all the girls are on a virtual classroom um, in a virtual classroom setting once a month where we continue to pour into them based on the curriculum that's been developed. And then the fourth part um, is really the whole, um, I would say, uh, early example of what entrepreneurship means, no risk, no reward. So when you give this program your all, um, you get points. It's a point system that starts in the, um, in the camp and it continues throughout those other three tiers that I just mentioned. Um, those who are the highest performers, they receive an all-expense uh, paid trip to Washington, D.C. for two and a half days where they um, have sessions. It's called our Entrepreneur Institute. So we have Fortune 500 female executives, um, successful entrepreneurs, and they're in workshops with these um, business leaders where they actually get like almost one-on-one -on -one attention. Then on the third day, we open the doors um, and the girls um, sell their products, goods, or services. So in order to be in our top performer, you have to be beyond the conceptualization phase. You have yes. to actually have a product or service. And so last year, last March, it was actually the last weekend that any of us could travel um, was the Entrepreneur Institute. So we had 100 girls and it was fantastic, fantastic. Wow, that's wonderful, and yeah. I, uh, story from that institute, I just have to share this, the power of just humanity, I tell you. So we open the doors and the public, they, they can come in for the Sunday uh, activity. And so one of our girls, she created this biodegradable uh, tennis shoe, beautiful. She hand stitched this biodegradable, uh, environmentally friendly uh, tennis shoe. And so she didn't have shoes to sell, um, but she came up with the concept that I, I would have shoes to sell if I had a sewing machine. So I want to create um, a display that will allow people to donate so that I could buy this sewing machine. So she had a picture of the sewing machine, it was beautiful. It wasn't even in the first hour, probably hadn't passed. Um, and uh, a, a woman came up to her and said, you made this with your hands? She said, yeah. And she said, um, so tell me what your goal is, she told her. And she said, so is this the exact machine you need? She said, yeah, I've done research. She told her all about why she needed the machine. The, the uh, participant ended up taking out their phones, went to Amazon, had the sewing machine delivered to her. So instantly, you know, because... Wow. Because this young lady chose to show up, not just that day, but every month from the time she was in the camp, she stayed focused, even though, you know, other girls, they're doing some fabulous things, but they have things that they can actually create on their own, like immediately. So she had to have delayed gratification and hold on and have faith and then present herself in that way because she was present physically and mentally a door was open for her and she and someone walked right in. 
So just really um, exciting things like that happen all the time with these girls. That's, that's so wonderful. I, I, I've gotten to, I believe it's been, I want to say three times now that I've had the opportunity to, to listen about uh, the, the Envision League Grow uh, efforts and it's and each time I get the pleasure of hearing a, a different story um, by one of the young ladies and it's it it never gets old it's just um, and it's a lesson that 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 transcends just the young ladies that are in the program it's it's something that the lessons learned I don't care if you're if you're a 15 year old young uh, young middle schooler who's looking mm -hmm. to start a new business by mowing lawns or or nobody delivers papers anymore <laughs> but but whatever the, uh -huh. the career step may be mm -hmm. um all the way through to to adults that have been doing this for for a good portion of their career it's just it's i find it so enjoyable to get to listen to some of these stories and and what i find the greatest pleasure is sitting in a room of professional adults that that they are as struck by these young mm -hmm. ladies mm -hmm. as as anyone else in the room. I mean, people that 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 I look up to as professionals that that look at these young ladies and they look up to them based on what these young ladies have done and 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 the, the courage and the, the willingness, as you mm -hmm. said, to put in the time um, and, and the stick to itness um, mm -hmm. that for a lot of people just they, they either don't have the patience or the or the, the understanding yeah. um, to to stick with that. So it is it's a wonderful program. And, and thanks to you and your team that pulled that together. Um, so with a few minutes we have left. Um, I want to transition a little bit back to our, our current circumstances uh, with the, the COVID because I, I would um, I, I can't let you off the hook with a, without giving you a personal shout out for, for something that you're doing right now that um, uh, is just it speaks volumes to who you are as a professional, as a person, um, as as a uh, just a person within our community that wants to give back. Um, it was recently announced um, that you are have donated grants to 13 women um, in the Hampton Roads community um, in an effort to help them continue to uh, keep their businesses going. Um, would you mind speaking a little bit about the, the details of that and um, um, and just how that came about as well. Absolutely. Um, so it's the Reddix Rules Fund. Um, and this was created. Um, it was just a donkey one morning. I thought about all the providers who are on the front line and so appreciative of what they are doing. Um, wanted to just have been in prayer about what it is that I have to offer during this time. And it, it just was really planted in my heart very clearly that, um, you know, this situation where people are just trying to survive is the time that 
unfortunately, many people are going to give up on their dream of entrepreneurship. And, and I know what that feels like. You know, I, I wasn't always at the level I am right now. And honestly, that experience in 2018 um, really uh, shaped me and is allowing me to go through this process with a little bit more grace because I've seen dark days before. Um, and so I just wanted to be an, a lifeline for those who I can clearly identify with, and that's women who are entrepreneurs. Um, and so in honor of our um, 13 years in business, I wanted to honor 13 women. Um, 2020 is going to be a year we don't forget. Um, and so I wanted to honor them um, with $2,020. Um, and so started the campaign uh, April 5th, April 20th and received hundreds of applications by April 30th. Uh, and I am excited that um, my birthday month is May. And so as my gift to myself, I am giving um, to 13 women. And so here's what's phenomenal. Uh, made the announcement, uh, the press really picked it up. We really got, uh, had a lot of visibility and, uh, and therefore a lot of great candidates. Um, and within hours, I received calls and texts about what can I do to increase it from 13 to more women. So we are able now to give 20 grants as opposed to the original 13. And these are regular everyday people the, you know, that, that said, I just want to be a part of it. I want to see more win. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversations about um, the payment protection plan and you know, the grants and things aren't moving as quickly. And, you know, from a, because I understand system design and because I understand process design, sure, there are a lot of challenges um, there. And some of that we kind of have to expect. There's a lot of people trying to go into this funnel um, and the funnel's only so large. Um, and so I, I can't necessarily solve all of that, but I can be part of a solution, a lifeline until they can get to a larger sum of funding. And so that was kind of the spirit behind it. Um, I, I can't control all that's going on. Um, it is it's, it's bigger than me for sure. But in my little world, this is something that I can do. And I'm hoping, just as I've seen uh, with the people who've stepped up, um, that it will inspire others to do something. It may not be financial, but we all can do something to not complain about what other people are trying to do. But if each of us just did a little something, we could make this a lot better for all of us. Um, so that was the inspiration behind it. Well, that's, uh, it, we're, we're grateful. I mean, I, as someone who works with the, the business community and, and they make up such a huge part of, of mm -hmm. who we are as an organization at the chamber, as, as a community, um, quite honestly, throughout the entire country. I mean, small business is, is the lifeblood of who we are uh, as a business community in, in our country and, and especially in the 757. And, and, um, and your generosity is greatly appreciated. And, and um, thank you for all that you do for the community. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to, to talk to you, um, to get to spend some time with you and, and to be able to tell your story to uh, 
the listeners of Take Talks and, and the Hampton Roads community, the, the, uh, the Hampton Roads Chamber partners. Um, what, if anyone is interested in, in learning a little bit more, especially about um, Envision League Grow, um, where's the best place to reach out to, to learn more information about that? Well, I will tell you, all things Angela Reddix can be found on AngelaReddix.com. Um, Envision League Grow, I don't think I, that I mentioned to you, but um, I finally published um, my, my first book, so I'm so excited. Um, I was able to do a TEDx talk. I was selected um, in Florida and to tell kind of the story of this, this business woman who created something out of nothing um, and then uh, used that to leverage for all the girls um, across the nation. And so this is the story of um, the building of Artix, the building of a mother, the building of a wife, the building of a community leader. Um, and in this, um, I highlight some of our girls and, and what you mentioned about, it's not just the girls, the spillover effect that we're seeing from that. So highlight some of the moms, some of the business leaders. So I would say go to AngelaReddix.com. Um, the book is in Barnes and Nobles, it's um, Target.com, et cetera, and of course, Amazon. Um, so I, I would ask you to go there um, and you will find all of my uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, et cetera, as well as um, Envision League Grow uh, information. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you again so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you and, and get to know you a little bit better. Um, and thank you for spreading your story so we can convey it out to the rest of the 757 community. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward to hearing the podcast. Absolutely. All Take right. care and have a great day. All and right. thank okay. you to the listeners of Take Talks. We will catch you during the next episode. Mm -hmm.